Hi, friends. Join us as we dive into the themes, metaphors, and foreshadowing of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. With both a spoiler and spoiler-free analysis, there's something here for everyone. We are your hosts, Leah, Sarah, Tabby, and whether you're a new viewer or a longtime fan, welcome to Becoming Buffy. Becoming Buffy. Today we are talking about the spoiler section of the Zeppo. Just a PSA. We are going to be spoiling all of Buffy and all of Angel. So if you do not want to know spoilers, go ahead and log off. Come back next week. If not, welcome, welcome. Uh, unfortunately, and also fortunately, we're going to be talking a lot about Xander today. We talked before about how this is probably our favorite Xander-centric episode, and I was trying to think about later episodes. I don't know that there's one in season four necessarily, but I do know season five they have. Mm-hmm. I think it's called The Replacement. It's the one with his twin brother or, well, Nicholas Brendan's twin brother and the one where he's kind of split into two separate people. And I kind of like that one as well, but I think the Zeppo is just there's something special about it. Well, is there like the Thanksgiving one? Is that kind of a Xander-centric episode? I don't know. I've never the thought about it. The first half makes it seem like that. I feel like this one is the last, like, actual Xander-centric episode. Like, there are other ones that I feel like Xander is maybe the main focus of the episode, but they're, n- like, none that are fully about Xander. No, the like, replacement episode, is 100% about Xander. I don't remember. If that's the one with his twin. I barely remember that one. Yeah, it's completely Xander-centric. If season four doesn't really have a lot of um, – character-centric episodes, it kind of talks about one character while also focusing on everybody else. Um, I feel like, and obviously Xander's had more episodes devoted to him through since season one, but I feel like it's interesting thinking about it in season three. I feel like it has been very Buffy-focused, and there hasn't been, like, there's been no Giles episodes. There's been no Willow ones yet. Uh, it's just kind of interesting. That's true. I didn't even think about season three as that. It's kind of shared as, like, the Slayer season. Yeah, but Faith's been barely in it, which is really funny. For some reason, I thought that we had watched Doppelgangland already, and I was like, that's definitely a Willow-centric episode. And then I was yeah, like, oh, no, we've up. seen The Wish. <laughs> yeah. Season three does a really good job because I don't necessarily feel like you need to have a specific uh, episode devoted to any one of the characters. Um I mean, obviously, we have, we're talking about the Zeppo, so it has Xander in it. But I think that it does a really good job of going, hey, who have we not seen very much of this this season? And then talking a little bit more about them, with the exception of Cordelia. But we all know how we feel about that. Um, so speaking of Willow, we have that really cool line where she's talking about, you know, every nightmare I have that doesn't revolve around academic failure or public nudity is about that thing. And then she talks about she dreamed that it attacked her when she was up late for a test and naked. <laughs> Um, and then we talked about how that nightmares, that was a big thing where she had to be shoved on stage. But in Restless, I don't know if you guys remember, Willow's whole nightmare is standing in front of the class and they like take off her clothes and you think, oh no, she's going to be naked in front of her class. But instead of being naked, she's back in her season one, the pilot episode clothing. And it isn't that she's necessarily afraid of being naked in the literal sense. I think that she's afraid that people are going to see her vulnerable and see her um, out of control. I think Willow has this need to control her situations and scenarios and her environment around her. So I thought that was kind of like a cool little character thing that will be continued on. 
All right. So my I love this episode. My biggest beef with the Zeppo, though, is it rounds out Xander's character in a really, really good way. And if like the show was gonna end after this episode, I would have been like, wow, okay. Like we kind of saw the beginnings of Xander changing and stuff. The problem is, is that like he doesn't really get better, a whole lot better as time goes on. Um, he still has several more huge missteps before the end of the show, which I know is like very realistic and very human. The problem is, is that it's painted as a huge turning point for Xander's character, but he doesn't really drastically change. And I think this episode works better if you view it through the lens of this isn't supposed to show how he has changed, but that he's in the process of changing of the potential of who he can become. Yeah, because I wouldn't say that Xander even starts to make huge progress until season five. Yeah. Like season season two and three, I've season one through three actually are like peak terrible Xander. And then season four, I feel like he just flies under the radar. He still does crappy stuff, but it's kind of like not as bad as it has been. And then season five is when you actually see him grow. Mm -hmm. I'd say that like from amends, which in hindsight, I feel like is kind of a and maybe I haven't fully formed my idea of this, but this is, I'm just going to go with it right now. But I just kind of feel like it's his redemption is kind of shoehorned into amends because it's like he doesn't apologize for anything. He just walks into a room and it's like, oh, I got the Hanukkah spirit. I'm going to help you, you know? And then you're like, where did this come from? Literally like two episodes ago, you were like ripping Buffy to shreds about a relationship when you're literally cheating on somebody. Um and it's like when you're first watching it, you're like, oh, this is so refreshing. Oh, he's going to help. And then when you look back, you're like, he didn't actually make amends for anything on his own in his own life. Um, and then you watch the Zeppo and then it's a little bit more of a lens into him kind of shifting his priorities. And so I'd say the halfway point in season three is more of him kind of letting go of some prejudices, but him not yeah. changing. Because yeah. like you look at it and you're like, you know what? He's not hitting on angels much because we'd all grow very tired of that if they were continuing that on for like forever. And then him kind of like embracing the Zeppo, the if you've watched How Much Mother, like the Blitz, you know, that that sort of character into kind of being like, you know what, I'm going to just embrace that. I'm going to utilize that. I am a huge part of the group. Kind of, again, like a kind of viewing himself differently, him shifting his lens. But I don't yeah. think that he has really ever changed and again, like I, th- I think you're right, Leah. I would have before you said that. I would have probably said that he started changing in season four. But now that I'm looking at it, I'm like, even him and Anya's relationship is not a relationship in season four, like at all. I mean, it's interesting because I would say the Zeppo becomes a very key component of who Xander becomes in season seven, and like all throughout, you know, the show. But in the ending, is season seven. But it's like. His interaction with Dawn and their conversations and stuff, it, it's from the perspective of someone who is the Zeppo. Like, he's like, yeah, like, I've I've been the outsider. I've been the one without powers. I've been the one human, um, you know, with besides Willow, who is, like, a witch. So it doesn't really count. But it's like he's the one who is their humanity. And I think that all of that ultimately comes from the perspective of an episode like the Zeppo of him stepping back and realizing, oh, even if I'm not the one who's 
slaying the dragon or casting a spell or, you know, doing what everyone else can do. Like the fact that I'm there and the fact that I'm helping is still very important because I mean, he becomes so important in like season seven in helping Dawn realize what she can do and giving her that perspective. And I think that once Sander learned his place, and I think that starts here, doesn't end here, starts here, what Sarah was saying, that's when Xander starts becoming a good character. The type of character that they portray in the Zeppo is the type of character that we all wanted in Xander. Someone who's lighthearted, who's funny, who maybe gets into trouble um, and just struggles with his self-identity in the group. I would have been all for that because then you can be a self-placement for Xander. We want a self-placement for us, not a self-placement for Joss because the parts of Joss <laughs> that we see are so gross. And oh gosh. And now knowing that he like made that comment about like wanting to like, you know, F the character of Buffy makes total sense why he was like, like Xander was in love with her for like the entirety of the series and just always wanted her. And there was always like episodes of him just objectifying her. And it's like, gosh, like, can you, Joss, can you get out of his brain, please? Like someone else write him. But I am so happy for the Zeppo for his character. Like more than just it being a good episode and it being funny, like we needed that episode. And arguably, I'd say the only mm, the Zeppo and the one in season five, the replacement. Those two are the only Xander Sandra episodes that we really need. I don't think we need any of the other ones, like at all. And so I, I'm really happy that they gave us the Zeppo. And I think the replacement is actually a really good episode for where he is in his life. And I think it, it kind of drives home the metaphor that they're trying to do for him during that point. But yeah, I mean, th- those were way too many words just to say that this was good for his character and that I appreciate it. I think Xander works best when he is quietly encouraging and supporting the group, which we see a lot of him in season seven. Honestly, season seven is the best Xander. <laughs> it's a Xander that's very non-judgmental. There's a Xander who works quietly in the background. He has found his place in the gang and he is okay with it. Um, I think season three, we're still watching him wrestling with who he's going to become, but also like resentment. He's still in love with Buffy at this point. Season four, at the very end, he gives up and recognizes that he's always going to have a relationship um, that's more brotherly to Buffy. But there's things that they insert, especially, and I think, okay, we're going to talk about Riley for a minute. We haven't talked about him very much, but I wrestle with how much Xander embraces Riley because I think so much of it is he sees Riley like Riley's almost a self-insert for Xander in a lot of ways. Riley's his everyman. He wants Riley to succeed where he wasn't able to because Riley's just a normal human being. Um instead of, you know, a vampire. It speaks to I think Xander's own insecurity. And so like for instance the speech that Xander gives Buffy and um, is it what out a of pointless the woods speech? Or into the woods? I, I used can't to think remember. that was such a good speech, and then I it's meant to that. be. I yeah, re- it's very painted much. It's painted very much as that. Like I watched it with my sister Becca a few months ago, and then I remember thinking I was like going in thinking like this was going to be really good epiphany moment, and like it was going to be really good conversation. And she starts running. I remember thinking, being like, what was even said in that conversation? Like, I, what was the point of that conversation? Like, I'm very confused. I think it was supposed to be painted as Buffy. You actually do love Riley, and but everyone knows she doesn't. She doesn't. 
Well, this is that's what I think the show is trying to be like, oh, like let's show a different perspective. Hey, Buffy, you know, shame on you, essentially. And it's like, well, no, Buffy's actually tried. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Well, especially we'll talk about with it. that whole conversation that she just had with Riley, where he's like gaslighting the butthole out of her. <sighs> and like this poor girl, it was literally cheated on, caught him. And he's like, it's because you are fulfilling me. And you're like, okay. And so you can go and cheat on her. Yeah, uh, people don't want to hear about my opinions on Riley. Yet. We'll get to it. We'll get to it because <laughs> I kind of don't want to. That will be about the it. whole spoiler section. <laughs> yeah, but I think that like Xander's that speech. I think it genuinely was written by whoever wrote it by Joss and the writers as it was supposed to be the nice guy speech of like Xander's. This is how he's matured. Like, see how much he cares for Anya. Like, which very sweet. He loves Anya, but it's just not appropriate. And so. Unfortunately, it leaves a bad taste in our mouth because those are the moments that are supposed to show us that Xander has grown, that Xander is more mature and all this stuff. And so then when you have instances like Hell's Bells and stuff, we're like, what the heck is happening? You know? But anyway, all that to say, I think Xander is his best in season seven. I appreciate his speech to Dawn. I appreciate how much he is there for Buffy. I think arguably Buffy is a lot closer to Xander than she is to Willow by the end of the series. Um, And it makes me glad that she has someone in her corner. Um, and And it also makes me happy to see the Xander that we see here where he's talking about, I like the quiet, who's accepted, who's found this is going to sound so cliche, who's found inner peace, he's found his purpose, um, is a lot of the Xander we see in season seven. And I really, I appreciate that small glimpse that we get to see of him here. I also want to talk about the scene with Faith and Xander. And before we jump into Faith, I think it's very, very interesting showing how Xander, and I think we talked about this in the spoiler-free section, showing how Xander responds and reacts to having sex with Faith. It's very different than how we expected him to. And I think it shows that Xander wants and craves intimacy and doesn't just want sex for sex sake, which is fine if you want that. But I think there's an expectation that, oh, because he's just a male. And I think Xander's had that his that expectation as well. Like he's just in it for sex. And I think it's kind of interesting and it adds another layer to show that, hey, Xander, like, actually thinks that he has a connection with Faith because they slept together. And we see that later on, forget which episode it is, that Willow finds out that Faith and Xander slept together. And Aunt Xander says, oh, I think I can talk to Faith. We have a connection. Um, and I think that that's really interesting and that does add another uh, layer of complexity onto Xander. Um, and I think we've seen glimpses of that with him and his relationship with Cordelia even how he he's like, hey, I want a relationship with you. And she's like, no, we're just making out in a closet, you know? And he, you can kind of see him craving that closeness and that connection. Um, and I think that's kind of interesting. What do you guys think? I think it's just interesting because I think Xander views so highly of himself that I think that he, <laughs> like, not in like a shady way, but it's just like, I think that he just assumes that everyone is way more into him than he is than they yeah, actually are. True. <laughs> we see that with Cordelia. That's a guy thing, though. It is a guy <laughs> thing, but it's also a like like a stupid guy thing. We see that with Cordelia when they first start hooking up. He assumes that she would want to tell everyone and all the stuff. Once like Cordelia is like, no. We see that like with Faith, with Buffy, with like like we see it a lot where he thinks that girls are going to be way more into him than they are. All right, so let's talk about Faith and her history of using men for sex and how the show portrays that. So it is very frustrating, and we haven't talked about this before, but 
faith is shown to enjoy sex. And that is often seen as, oh, she's loose. She's promiscuous. She's the dark slayer because she enjoys those things. Um, and they often – you like you had the whole assault with Riley in season four when she uses Buffy's body. And then later on she tries to assault Xander. Um, and I think that the show just has – and we've talked before. The show just has a messy view of women and sex. And it's very frustrating. It's frustrating how women are constantly punished for having sex. Um or they're portrayed like Faith, where it's like, hey, because she enjoys sex or she wants sex, then that makes her, quote unquote, dark or evil or whatever, because Faith is at this point supposed to be the dark slayer. And it's very frustrating. And I think that it's something that I wish the show hadn't fallen into stereotypes and cliches. And I wish they would have been a little bit more nuanced and stuff. And I, again, I think that's just the product of its time, not an excuse at all for it. But I think that understanding that helps us view the show through that lens and recognize, okay, this is the mindset of that time in that era. I think it's really interesting kind of going hand in hand with Xander's desire for intimacy and love. I think Faith also desires that as well. And I think like mm -hmm. her whole mindset, what was it? Um, is in Beauty and the Beast where she talks about men use them and lose them. Like the whole mm -hmm. idea of like we just sleep with them and that's it. And then how All she's are shocked. Right. She's shocked when Riley wants to make love to her and he tells her he loves her. And, it, and that's kind of the breaking point for Faith when she realizes – Oh, I think that now that you're saying this, I feel like there's this and I'm acting as if like these characters aren't supposed to be like three dimensional with different needs and things. But Xander talks about how much he wants sex all the time, but you can tell that he really wants a relationship, a companion, but he talks about sex all the time. Like mm. even when he talks about it, I could tell I'm like, you just want someone to like you, to love you, to, to uh, be there for you, to, to like mm -hmm. comfort you emotionally. That's what yeah. you want because you just talk a ton. Usually people who talk a ton really want to be heard um, or just say empty nonsense is because they're not being listened to and not being seen. Sure. Whereas Faith is talking about sex because the writers are trying to show us that she likes sex and that she doesn't really care about a relationship and yada, yada, yada. And there's very two different ways. And obviously, like, we see later on that Faith has more layers than that. And, like, that she, I mean, oh, we were in the spoiler section. Yeah, okay. So, like, <laughs> you know, that episode in season one of Angel, it's like, clearly she needs people and and but in this case, in a non-sexual way, to listen to her, to be there for her, to give her emotional support, to be there when she's literally relapsing mm -hmm. and walking through all the ups and downs. I can go on for hours about how great that episode is. That's like yeah. the amends of the first season of Angel for me. Like it's just such a good episode. Mm -hmm. Um what's uh five by five, that's what it's called. And the next one after that. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like they, they both talk about it a ton, but they need and in this case, Xander really wants that, even though he talks about sex a ton. That's a really good point, Tabby. I never thought of that before, but I think you're right. I think – I mean, I don't know if they had plans to bring Eliza Dushku back for season four, but it is interesting within the context of season three, they're trying to be like, hey, she's – She's dabbling in the dark side. She's all this other stuff. But I really appreciate by the time we get to season seven of Buffy, they do a really good job. They could have watered 
and softened Faith down, but she's still very much 100%. But it's empowering. Like her having that little like – Conversation with Spike. uh, No, 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 no. Well, that one, I was thinking more of like her and Wood having that little like riff off about sex. And they're like, like, no, no, no. We're doing it again because I'm really good and you are paying attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it's like rather than having it be this like gross, dirty thing, it's like she was empowered by it. Like that's who she is. And it wasn't like a – I'm taking advantage of you. It's like she found her match and someone who's like, no, I'm beautiful. You know, I'm amazing. Well, I love that Wood recognizes that she struggles with being vulnerable and that she enjoys sex, but the vulnerability aspect of it is harder for her. And so him saying, no, like, yeah, you can have great sex, but like also how great is it when you're actually willing to be vulnerable and love someone and trust them and stuff like that. And he's like, I've had great sex like that, you know, but I think that that is intentionally put in there to showcase how faith is, she struggles with trusting people. And so I think I like how that little interaction is there, but I was thinking of the one with um, Spike and Faith, how she's talking about, um, you know, how Buffy's supposedly uptight. And then she's shocked to find out that Buffy and Spike have slept together and stuff. And I just love how they, it's so faith. They keep a lot of faith in there, but Instead of it being like, oh, we're writing in like she likes sex because she's going to be – she's going to go dark. It's like she's already been through her redemption arc and she's still her. And I think that that, in that way, they were able to redeem a little bit of the narrative that they wrote in season three for Faith a bit. And I think that's what's so frustrating is when we have good characters like Faith who have been well written and their arcs have been done well to where you still recognize – in the end, she is still Faith. Like she is still Mm -hmm. that like – BA girl who like can take people down and like all this stuff, but she is so much better. Like she's like good now, but she's still faith. That's what it's frustrating when you see other people where you're like, I don't even recognize you. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and again, I think that part of it is because we've talked about it before, but I think if they maybe hadn't have given Spike so much screen time, they wouldn't have had to wrestle as much with the we want him to be edgy and cool and like kind of the gray moral hero or the morally gray anti-hero. But how do we still make him like show a distinction between having a soul and not having a soul? And I think because Faith, her arc was shorter and more condensed, they didn't have to wrestle so much with, okay, how do we make her Faith but also show that she's still good? And so I think unfortunately that just came down to like time management. But anyway. So yeah, I absolutely love Faith. I could talk about Faith for forever. They did such a good job with her. I'm I'm so excited that like, you know, Dirty Girls is next. Bad Girls? Is it Bad Girls? Oh, yeah. Dirty Girls is season Dirty seven. Girls season seven. Very oh, yes. different episodes. Yeah, very different. You're right. No, no, no. Ooh, we're not going to talk that about that. That is a lot. <laughs> yeah, that is a lot. No, let's talk about Bad Girls, not Dirty Girls. <laughs> okay. The last thing I have, I thought this was kind of cool, a little bit of trivia. So the actress who plays Lizette, the girl, the blonde girl who loves the the cars and is with Sander going around everywhere, her name is Whitney Dillon. She actually appears again in the Buffyverse. She appears on Angel in No Place Like Plurt's Glurb. It's the episode that uh, Cordy ends up getting transported to Lauren's home planet, home dimension or whatever. And um, she's the other slave that Cordelia meets when she gets captured. They call them cows and they have like the little thing on. It's the same. Honestly, actress. those couple episodes and um, what's it called? Fantastic. Oh, I don't, I don't and- know what they're called. What the plan is called. I used to have, I used to remember what it was, but those are so funny. 
They're so funny. They're so good. They're so totally Queen different Cordelia. from the rest of season two. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's Cordelia at her peak. Mm-hmm. And I like – you cannot argue with me there. That's – yeah, absolutely. And then it. you meet Gru and he has like this whole like duel. <laughs> oh, Gru is the best. I love Gru. Uh-huh. Too pure for this world. Seriously. Well, it was a bit shorter this week, but we have some great episodes coming up next week. And then in the next few weeks, we've got the amazing Faith-centric or I guess Faith arc episodes and the mayor starts ramping up. So we are going to have a lot to talk about in the next few weeks. But uh, you guys can find us on Instagram on uh, Tumblr on TikTok at Becoming Buffy Podcast. Also, don't forget to rate and subscribe to our podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, let us know what you guys think of the Zeppo. And I know Xander tends to be kind of a controversial character, but I'm curious, what do you guys think? Is he someone that you don't really care about a lot, or do you think that he improves as the show goes along? We want to know your guys' thoughts. As always, thanks so much for listening, you guys, and we will see you next time.